welcome to Good Medicine Explained. This is episode number 13 for the week of August 30th, 2020. I am your host, Dr. James R. Brown. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my explanations of various health disorders and medical conditions. My goal is to provide the listeners with some new insights and knowledge about how our bodies function, how the medical professionals identify and treat problems that arise, and thereby help you to cultivate a lifestyle that prevents or reduces serious health problems and optimizes your well-being. Since the stay-at-home orders of the COVID-19 pandemic, more and more people have been doing hours and hours of Zoom meetings and other computerized activities, and they've been keeping us pretty stationary for the most part. We can alternate from sitting to standing and vice versa, but we pretty much have been stationary. And due to the stationary lifestyle we find ourselves in now, physical deconditioning has become a greater problem for those of us who are not taking advantage of the weekly stretching and exercises that might be possible. Specifically, more and more people are presenting to doctors' offices with complaints of lower back pains. In this episode, I will touch on some of the ways physicians address lower back pain complaints and various treatment modalities we recommend to resolve this problem. For the sake of argument in this discussion, we're going to assume that there hasn't been a traumatic accident or a previous back surgery related to the back pain. The medical profession categorizes lower back pain into three different domains, depending on the duration of time a person has been experiencing the pain. The first domain is called acute lower back pain. Typically, acute lower back pain is a period of time from one to four weeks in duration. The second domain is called subacute lower back pain, and that typically ranges from about four to 12 weeks. And the third domain is called chronic low back pain, which typically persists for 12 weeks and beyond. The treatment options and protocols differ between these three different categories of lower back pain. It's estimated that within the medical literature, about 84% of adults will experience lower back pain at some time in their lives. The majority of low back pain episodes happen for no apparent reason. Approximately one-third of people with acute lower back pain seek medical attention. The other two-thirds don't even bother. The prognosis for acute lower back pain is excellent. 70 to 90 percent of people will improve within a four to seven week period. Recurrences for acute lower back pain are common. 50 percent of people will have another episode within six months and 70 percent within one year. The recurrence episodes also have favorable prognoses. 
only 5 to 10% of people that initially present with acute lower back pain will eventually go on to develop chronic lower back pain. Now let me mention prevention. Naturally, weight loss, maintaining general physical conditioning and regular exercise, stretching, light moderate resistance exercise, and proper ergonomic setups will help prevent lower back pain. Now ergonomics is a definition of or a study of the way in which people arrange and set up their working environment. An ergonomist, a person that studies a work environment, designs or modifies the work setting to fit the worker. And the goal is to eliminate discomfort and risk of injury due to their work. So in the general approach of care for acute lower back pain, most people, as I said, will resolve their back pain within four weeks, regardless of any specific management. We typically recommend non-pharmacologic therapies, such as superficial heat, counter-traction massage, acupuncture, or even spinal manipulation. But there's no data to suggest one treatment modality is better over another. Bed rest is not advised, and activity modification should be kept to a minimum. We generally do not recommend exercise or physical therapy for acute lower back pain unless the patient has risk factors for developing chronic back pain, such as starting with poor functional or health status or having some form of a psychiatric comorbidity. If a non-pharmacologic approach to acute lower back pain is inadequate, then a short-term course of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medicine is initially recommended. And by short course, we mean about two weeks. Acetaminophen is an alternative to non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. The classic non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, of course, is ibuprofen or naproxen. We prescribe indomethacin or even Celebrex. Acetaminophen in doses of about 650 milligrams every six hours up to a maximum of about three grams in a 24-hour period can be used for people who have contraindications to taking the NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. If a person's pain is not adequately controlled with the NSAID medicines, then the addition of a non-benzodiazepine muscle relaxant, such as cyclobenzaprine or tizanidine, would be prescribed. If there's a contraindication to the muscle relaxant, then we just rely on the NSAID and acetaminophen together. There's limited support for using opioids with acute lower back pain. 
And if it is prescribed, we limit it to no more than three to seven days duration. Tramadol is an opioid agonist. It acts like an opioid. And if that's prescribed, we generally don't use that for more than two weeks. Now, if a patient hasn't responded to all of these treatment modalities within a four-week period of treatment, then they should be reassessed as having subacute lower back pain. And the general approach to the care for patients with subacute lower back pain, again, someone who's had pain more than four weeks and no longer than 12 weeks, we tend to encourage them to participate in some sort of supervised exercise program rather than no exercise. Initially, they should be maintaining their normal daily activities as much as tolerated. The exercise therapy that's supervised helps them alleviate pain symptoms and improves their physical functioning. Options for therapy also include spinal manipulation, which is a manual therapy of movement of a joint beyond its usual end range of motion, but not past its anatomic range of motion chiropractors and osteopaths and physical therapists are persons that provide this type of spinal manipulation. There's also acupuncture or massage. For patients with more severe pain symptoms, an adjunctive pharmacologic therapy can be used. Again, your NSAIDs or skeletal muscle relaxants. And the goal, again, is to provide enough pain relief to allow participation in the physical activities and therapies of exercise or cognitive interventions. In all patients with subacute lower back pain who are at a higher risk for developing chronic low back pain, it's important to address some of the psychosocial contributors to pain. It's also a good idea to make a referral to a cognitive behavioral therapist. Cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, is a goal-oriented, problem-solving, psychotherapeutic approach where negative thinking patterns and coping behaviors are addressed. Another treatment modality for such a person at risk for chronic back pain would be mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is a technique designed to enhance a person's ability to relax, cope with stress, and manage pain. It has been shown in several randomized controlled trials that have included as many as 864 patients with low back pain that mindfulness-based stress reduction leads to a modest improvement in pain tolerance and physical functioning comparing to just standard care. Multidisciplinary and interdisciplinary rehabilitation programs use a combination of graded exercise therapies with a psychosocial approach, often involving 
a psychologist. Usually, these are coordinated by pain clinics or rehab centers, and most patients who are likely to benefit from such a program are highly motivated. Other modalities for people at risk for chronic back pain would be biofeedback and progressive relaxation. Of course, access to these therapies may be limited due to insurance coverage, out-of-pocket expenses, and other factors such as local availability of trained personnel. Now, in regards to that third group of chronic low back pain persons, generally we want to maintain the activities of daily living as well as tolerated. Applying low temperature heat for about 20 minutes every two hours, followed by gentle stretching, is helpful. We don't recommend cold packs for the muscles in the lower back. Exercise for stabilization, core strengthening in the abdominal and trunk extensor muscles, flexion and extension movements, often provided through programs like Pilates and others, are very helpful. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there are some individuals, a minority, who may end up developing chronic low back pain. Predictors for persons who might develop chronic low back pain at one year from the onset of their back pain include individuals who have poor pain coping behaviors or they somaticize and they think about their body very often or they have a high level of functional impairment, or they start with a generally poor state of health, or they might have the presence of some psychiatric comorbidities, there may be job dissatisfaction or stress or disputes over compensation issues. All of these are kind of triggers to the physician that this person is leading up to a potential for chronic low back pain. Patients with severe, persistent, debilitating pain and functional impairment require more intensive management strategies. The goal of care is to manage their pain, increase their function, and maximize their coping skills. The biopsychosocial model to chronic low back pain engages the patient in their care more directly. There is movement-based interventions with a mind-body component, such as employing Tai Chi and yoga. This therapy, along with cognitive behavioral therapy and mind-body interventions like biofeedback, progressive relaxation are very helpful. And patients who don't respond to the NSAID medications, we do have a second line pharmacologic therapy. Duloxetine or other antidepressants in the tricyclic antidepressant 
family, such as amitriptyline, nortriptyline, or disipramine, can be used. There's also, as a last resort, tramadol. Opioids have been shown to have a high potential for harm from addiction and dependency, and they're used as a last option or resort for persistent, severe pain and disabling symptoms. They provide only a modest, brief efficacy for pain relief. Their use is now considered inconsistent with evidence-based medical care. For patients in my practice who have this problem, I refer them to a pain specialist for further management. For chronic low back pain patients who develop an acute flare of another back pain episode, we generally manage them the same way we would manage a subacute low back pain patient. The therapies that we do not recommend include antidepressants other than duloxetine. They haven't been shown to be greatly significant. We don't recommend benzodiazepines like Valium and lorazepam and those types of medications. No muscle relaxant that has a benzodiazepine in it should be used. So the only muscle relaxant we actually recommend is cyclobenzaprine, as uh, mentioned. We don't recommend using anti-epileptics or medications for seizure disorder. Gabapentin has been in that category, but evidence has been supporting limited efficacy with mixed results of gabapentin for chronic low back pain. Some people who suffer from osteoarthritis in their knees or hips resort to using glucosamine, but there hasn't been any medical research or evidence to support its benefit. And finally, cannabis and cannabinoid-type medications like topical CBD oils have been used and empirically have been touted to be beneficial, but high-quality research data is lacking to substantiate this report. So the take-home points from this topic include the following. Number one, low back pain is a common adult condition that usually is limited to an acute state of about four to six weeks. Number two, low back pain can be prevented by changing your position often during the day and maintaining proper weight and performing weekly exercise activities. Number three, recurrences for acute back pain are common and they're self-limiting. They usually resolve after a couple of weeks. Number four, in a small percentage of people who do end up developing chronic low back pain, more intensive management strategies that utilize cognitive behavioral therapy or the mind-body stress reduction methods 
are very effective. If this particular topic or any of the previous episodes have provoked questions for you, be reassured that I do regular Q&As on my Instagram account at jrbrownmd, where you may submit your questions there through direct messaging. However, I emphasize that I do not serve as a replacement or substitute for your own personal physicians, nor do I provide individualized consultations outside of my practice. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank my podcast team, Lauren and Natalie, who really are responsible for making this podcast possible. Again, I strongly encourage any listeners out there who haven't registered to vote yet, please do so this week. The healthcare system in America is sick, and your vote on November 3rd can help lead to fixing the problem. Until our next opportunity, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be loved, and may you have a peaceful heart. Thank you.